you're telling me the breadth of impact, and I want to know the depth of impact. And a lot of times that has to be done through story. Let's go! You're telling, you're telling me the breadth of impact is a realization. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of On the Up and Up, an Upmetrics podcast where we talk about all things data, impact, and technology. I am joined by Maureen Coleman, as always. Can I get a shout out, Mo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was really good. Uh... <laughs> Oh, hi, Kyle. Great to be back. Great to be back. On, on the it up and up. It is great to be back. One yes, thing that we think episode. about when we're choosing the name of this podcast is when you're saying, like, great to be back on on the up and up. Like, you have to say on twice. Do you Did know I what I'm saying? That? No, just in this example, I was saying it's great to be back on on the up and up. Right? So then be back on the up and up. I, I got you on that. You yeah, have to say it twice is... or else it, you're like, anyways, we didn't really plan for that. Although I like the name. Uh, I still like the name. Feels good. Feel, feels right. Feels like the, the vibe. So I'm glad you still like it considering <laughs> we chose it in tandem. That'd be weird if we had to switch it up at this point. <gasps> yeah, no regrets. Can you sticking with it? Can you believe? It's November already. I cannot believe it's November. Um, I am enjoying it. We've had some rain in the Bay Area. It's been cozy, um, like making chili and like sitting in my sweats while it rains outside. Like that just feels nice. So, yeah, it's good. But the year has flown by. It really has flown by. We are chatting now post-conference season. This is for those of you that listen to our mini-sode on, on conferences. We're recording this after the fact. Uh, but today we, we have a guest, Mark Mosier from Lightrock, and, and he's the head of impact for Lightrock. And really excited for that conversation today. This We actually recorded it prior to the conferences um, but I think the stuff that we talked about in the conversation really holds true and was actually validated in the conversations that we were having at some of these conferences, including the gin conference that that Mark speaks about uh, in the conversation. So really looking forward to sharing that with our audience and, and diving into all the competencies that I think Mark and his team have at Lightrock and and I really do view them as leading in this space, particularly as we enter a more enhanced regulatory environment when it comes to impact measurement and all the complexities and in air quotes opportunities that that those create in the space. So really looking forward to this conversation. And I know you are too, Mo. Uh, I am too. I'm excited to, to share this with the world and um, appreciate Mark making the time to talk with us. And uh, I guess with that, let's let's dive in. Let's do it. Mark Moser here, everyone. We're so happy to have you uh, on on the up and up today. Mark, thanks for making the time. Um, 
to, to be here for this important conversation. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the invitation. Great to be and here. For our audience, um, can, you, can you tell everybody where you're joining from? Yes, sure. So I'm joining from Zurich. I'm based out of Switzerland and um, exactly representing Lightrock today and um, looking forward to talk about impact measurement and management. Thanks, Mark. And, and just for our audience as well. Um, so I am in San Francisco. Uh, we are recording this very early. I have wet hair and a big cup of coffee. Um, Kyle is from Dallas, so um, he's a little bit more warmed up today. So Kyle, I might lean on you if, if I'm still fuzzy from, from this morning. Um, Kyle, I'm going to hand it over to you because I know yeah. everyone here wants to hear from Mark, um, a, a true leader in impact measurement and management and, and really sharing his perspective on this work um, as it relates to the great work that Lightrock is doing, but also kind of more generally um, uh, leading the way um, as, as investors in Europe have been doing um, around this topic. So Kyle, let's, let's start with some getting to know you and then we're going to dive in. Yeah, I, I can't wait to hear Mark's thoughts on SFDR. And also, I know we're going to talk a little bit about scorecarding, which is something that I want to dive into. I think that that's an amazing approach in terms of comparability um, when we're looking at things from an impact perspective. But before we get there, in typical on the up and up fashion, Mark, we're going to do some quick hits, some questions. Um, and if you want to say next, you certainly can, but hopefully these aren't too difficult. Uh, but we'd love to, love to start and hear from you. What's a favorite country that you visited or lived? So, um, being from Switzerland, actually, I've never lived abroad, to be honest. I mm. studied abroad, but never really moved abroad for a longer period than just a couple of months. But nonetheless, I mean, I've been very fortunate to be able to visit many places and see many places in this world and countries. I think I've visited about 70, 75 countries so far. Um, um, wow. I'm still adding to it. Um, so I've seen many incredible places. So it's, it's very hard to say, actually, for every place. But it's usually a mix or a function of um, of um, amazing culture, incredible culture, big landscapes. I'm a nature lover. I'm an outdoor person. So whenever you have big, um, dramatic landscape, wild places, that's exactly where I want to be in combination with, as I said, with cultural diversity um, and also culinary diversity. That's what I enjoy the most. So places like Ecuador, Patagonia, uh, Mongolia mm. are top of my list and, and many to add hopefully soon. Yeah, I so I have a go ahead, Mo. <laughs> oh, no, I was just gonna say, Mark, are those uh travel destinations where the, the, the whole family is going? Are, are, it sounds like maybe you have a very adventurous young children. It, it's very funny that you're asking that. So, I've I took my family, extended family, even um, three four weeks ago, first time to Africa. Wow. And it was an adventure in, in yeah, every in every sense of the word. <laughs> exactly. So I'm trying to include them as, as much as possible, but step by step. That's great. I, I love to hear that, Mark. I've always had like kind of an in, internal goal, I guess you could say, of, of visiting a country for every year that I've lived. Uh, I think at this point, I'm a little bit behind. I'm, I'm 33. So and I think I'm in the high 20s. But I don't you know your exact age. You can cover I know. <laughs> kind of 25 countries in no time. 
I lived in uh, Denmark for a little bit, and um, that was where I got most of my countries in uh, in a short period of time. It was great being in Europe. Um, and I, I don't know your exact age, Mark, but I know that you're not 75, so you're definitely beating me in terms of that goal uh, and giving me something to strive towards. So th- that, that leads me into my second question, which I'm excited to hear your, your thought on this. But what's, uh, what's your favorite food? That's a very tough one. Favorite mm. food, I probably have to say Italian. Um, every very close um, to obviously Switzerland, we have fantastic Italian places. Also, Italian, just a safe bet. Mm. Um, almost wherever you go, it's just a safe bet. Um, still quite diverse. So if you are in Italy, you can really explore different Italian food, which I always like. So it's yeah. probably Italian. I, I can't say that we have amazing Italian here in Dallas, Texas. That doesn't usually hit the top of the list in terms of cuisine. But I, I've been to Italy and I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's a that's a great selection. So um, we talked about this earlier uh, before we started recording here. So I may know your answer. But what's a, a conference or event that you've attended and really enjoyed? Yeah, we, we mentioned it before quickly. So I think the Gin Conference is coming up only in two yeah. weeks' time, three weeks' time. So that's clearly a conference that is not only extremely pertinent and, and, and important for us, it's also really an opportunity now, again, after three years, um, to really meet uh, our network, our peers, um, the ones that we've engaged with and, and collaborated for the last decade and more. And we've always been um, an Gin Investor Council member since the since the very early days of the Gin. So really, we always very much enjoyed that exchange and that collaboration with 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 our peers. And now it uh, seems to be becoming bigger and bigger. I think last time was over 1,000, 1,500 attendees. Yeah. Now that's um, definitely very an e- extremely exciting event. Also from an impact uh, measurement management perspective, since the team is, is obviously um, absolutely leading um, that that area and that practice in terms of best best practice from within the industry. Yeah, I think they, the they have their own IMM track this year. Uh, which yeah. is really exciting. I know uh, we'll have some colleagues that will be in attendance. Mo and I will not, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, maybe in future years, right, Mo? We'll uh, we'll hit the road. Exactly. Look, Mark, what's uh, what book are you reading right now? Oh, I to be honest, we we also quickly spoke about SFDR. I'm not reading any books at the moment. I'm reading reports. I'm reading um, commentary notes. I'm reading technicals, um, uh, reports, guidance, etc. At the moment, so um, I think I stopped reading books in full length. Mm. I have to say, um, after my studies, I think I had a little bit of an overdose. Uh, yeah, to be honest, so I'm not a big reader, unfortunately, anymore. I've, I've shared work. on this podcast. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not much of a reader myself, Mark. So uh, I, I feel you on that. I do read, you know, articles and things that come out, and I'm really excited for our audience because, you know, maybe later you can distill everything that you've consumed around <laughs> SFDR and give us a 30 second blurb of like an overview, sure. Spark Notes, if you will, um, of what that is. Um, we'll we'll close out this session of getting to know you with a question that I think is is most favorite. Not the pet peeve one. Don't worry, Mo. We, we won't go there. But um, what impact theme, Mark, is, is closest to your heart? 
Um, great question. So I pr probably have to say kind of anything that is nature related. Now, obviously, mm. if in, in modern terms or kind of based on the current trends that we're seeing, it's it will rather be climate related since kind of um, what we are focusing on at the moment and where the market is heading. It's clearly that we see a lot of opportunities in the climate, climate tech space. Um, renewable energy, electrification, um, uh, climate change mitigation, adaptation could be both. Um, so I'm very excited about this. Um, and that probably has to do with the, the very origin of my motivation to be in this space and work in this space, which is my love and fascination for nature. And um, also very um, close to my heart, but not something that I pursue at least now um, on a professional basis um, is, is also kind of um, nature-based solution protection, preservation of, of wild areas, biodiversity, hotspots, things like that. That's, that's something I'm doing. I'm trying to do on, on the side and, and pursue a, a little bit as a hobby, but um, very, very um, um, yeah, fascinated and excited about that area. But it's also, it depends a little bit on the latest deep dives I did, thematic deep dives as right. part of my job, which um, um, are many and, and frequent. And um, I, I, I have an easy ability to get excited about many themes. Um, so it really depends on kind of the latest um, um, scientific articles I've read or investment opportunities or solutions I've come across. So that can change quite, um, quite fast and volatile. Well, that maybe that's a great segue, Mark. Um, shifting to your work, tell us about the the background, the story, the mission of Light Rock. Yeah, sure. So, um, as you as you know, kind of Light Rock is a is a global private equity platform that backs purpose driven entrepreneurs. Um, um, who are tackling really the world's uh, largest um, challenges, and and we invest in companies that um, pursue scalable and, and mostly tech-driven business models around three key themes, as we call them. And they're, they're deliberately quite broad. Um, it's, it's people, planet, productivity, um, or, or tech for good. And so we are strategically focused on, on sustainability outcomes um, and, and positive impact objectives. And we also um, obviously integrate and always try to um, adopt um, best ESG practices. And that's what we are doing. And I think, in terms of um, kind of the light rock story, um, so to say, um, we um, we have been initiated by Prince Max um, von und zu Liechtenstein, who is also our our chairman, and we are backed by the princely family of Liechtenstein um, and LGT and also other um, um, leading global institutions. Um, um, relatively recently, and, and I think what struck me the most, and I've been working now with the firm and, and LGT and the LGTX system more broadly for over eight years, I think it's 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 clearly the unique commitments that, that we're seeing from our from our founding family um, commitment in terms of conviction that it's the right thing to do um, to establish um, such a business um, purpose driven business and, and really deploy um, capital in that area and and pursue a, 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 a credible and, and robust um, and very professional. Um, strategy in that space and it's really the culture and the values that they have brought into the firm and and also the supportive broader ecosystem that we are experiencing on, on a daily basis and um and that the team would just really operate out of a very strong position uh, for impact investing specifically and um, with a lot of potential of becoming um, one of the leading players in that space and that's something that has clearly 
made an impression on me and had made me very um, 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 grateful and and honored to be part of this effort and be able to co-shape it over these years. It's really inspiring. I mean, I, I think a, a common theme worth uncovering in this podcast is it really comes down to sort of leadership, right, at, at the highest level to bring the right approach and intentionality around this work and and then um down into like more practitioners who are in the weeds on a daily basis um actually putting that work into practice so um mm. that, that's certainly consistent with what we're hearing from other guests and and mark i'd i'd love to hear just in your experience at that light rock obviously you guys have positioned yourselves as as leaders in this space and rightfully so What's something that you're most proud of about the firm um, and the way that you've kind of led in the sector? Yeah, good question. I mean, who, who would I be if I wouldn't say it <laughs> for the moment impact these chief practicing capabilities that we've hmm. established and, and build up um, um, at Lightrock? But I think jokes aside, I think what's what's really unique in, in our case is is that we have the, the, the chance, the time, um, um, a very long time, actually over a decade uh, now, um, the, the, the first efforts um, in impact investing when the coin, uh, when the term wasn't even coined, uh, we were able um, kind of to to learn and explore two, as early as 2007, 8, 9. Um, so I think that's an extremely unique um, um, kind of setup and, and track record and path dependencies that we're able to build on and to basically refine our processes and tools over time, um, investing and working with, with highly impactful businesses and, and learn from there. That doesn't mean that there is no need to, to continuously review and, and further develop and, and further advance and also sometimes really almost reinvent or redesign and innovate um, what we're doing um, in line with current market trends or best practices or what we're seeing is just kind of um, good practices on, on, on impact measurement management specifically um, but it just gives us a very solid foundation and and also the comfort and a little bit of um, maybe um, sometimes the needed um, um, just calm feeling that what we're doing is is good and um, and um, and robust and in a way in a, in a sense proven by implying what we're doing on on many hundreds of investment opportunities and firms in in, in the way we collaborate with them in in the way we assess them on impact existing impact impact potential in the way we measure impact in the way we report the impact so i think that's that's a great um, foundation and also externally um, in a way recognized in in a few instances now more recently by 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 independent validation and i think that's a very um great um um not only starting point but but just basis to to work from yeah I, um mark I, I love hearing you say that i i know we've mentioned on our podcast in the past uh some of our our values at, at Upmetrics, one of them being reflect and improve. Um, and so it's great hearing from, from leaders in the space that are taking a similar approach to that from an investment lens um, and so that there's that constant iteration um, so that you can reflect. And, and let's be honest, the landscape is changing a lot um, and very quickly. And so that need to adapt um, and, and grow and improve 
in a lot of ways is mandatory, I think, um, to continue to address some of these social challenges and the themes that you outlined that Light Rock is really focused on. So uh, I appreciate you saying that. And, and as we dive here more into kind of the impact measurement and management piece, um, which is kind of the focus or where we want to be in this podcast, I'd love to hear from you um, as distilled as you can kind of bring us up to speed on the approach that LightRock is taking around impact measurement and management um, and maybe highlight some things that you think sets you apart um, from some other firms that are in this space. Yeah, sure. I'm happy to quickly kind of explain you in a nutshell how we see it, how we do it. Um, for us, impact measure, measurement, the management is, is is a fully embedded function and, and practice mm. in 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 um, in our investment process. So in, in each step of the investment process, we have a standardized and clearly specified and documented formal activities, checks, assessments, and um, that are supported and enabled by tools, um, process descriptions, um, management systems on the data and information side. Um, so that's fully in, in, uh, integrated, and it also it's is in the same way is integrated into the roles and responsibilities of our investment managers. So our investment managers are impact managers. And I think yeah. that's that's key in our case, um, that we keep it this way and uh, and do it this way. Although obviously it's it's um, it's a resource allocation question at some point, then you have to um, see how it works really well. But in our case that's that's clearly how we how we roll and and what we want to stick to. Um, so that it's really core to our investment approach. I think it's also important to understand I think what sets us apart coming to this question is, interestingly, we have started with a very specific and explicit impact strategy. So we had an impact measurement and management approach in place before we did do anything formally, let's say, on ESG. And, and most actors in our space come from the opposite side. So mm -hmm. we actually um, started with understanding impact. How do we define impact? These questions were obviously the, in, the industry luckily resolved now also a few years ago, but we actually started to think um, about those questions 10, 12 years ago already. And then obviously also tailored and specifically in the context of different countries, different regions, different themes. And, um, and we've built all those tools based on that. And, um, and that's what I meant actually also with the strong and, and, and relatively long history and foundation that we have. And then actually we started to kind of on top of that almost implement and develop and design a full-fledged um, ESG management system that is also based on best practices. And we keep conceptually impact and ESG still um, relatively separate. And not necessarily because there are no overlaps, there are clear overlaps. Um, sometimes they're larger and sometimes smaller, but really as a means to manage complexity. Um, for us. And an impact for us is clearly uh, the strategic dimension of kind of the positive social environmental impact objectives that we want to achieve by investing into companies. And ESG for us is a hygiene factor that we also obviously want to apply and adopt best practices and do it in the best possible way to get, a, get full transparency of the risks and opportunities that we're able to drive with this business and, and, and have with this business. And that's how we've um, done it. And um, when it comes to Obviously, tools and processes we're using, we have um, um, mostly standardized tools and would even say that probably 70, 80% by now of the tools and processes and management system look 
pretty similar, pretty much the same now across peers and, and, and industry um, leaders, let's say, in our markets. Whereas now, yeah, it's it's a relatively small portion where you really can differentiate um, at this right. time in terms of proprietary things that you want to do different, that you might want to add because you think it's also relevant for for understanding impact. Um, so that's, that's how we see it. And... Sorry, Kyle, I have one quick follow-up question. Um, Mark, so one, I, I want to go back to something you said, because I think um, this is something that um, our, our audience could really take away, some, some specific learnings from you and, and your firm as, as leaders in this area. You mentioned investment professionals being impact investment professionals. What does that really look like? I mean, how do they put that into practice on a day-to-day what does it mean in terms of how they interact sort of downstream with portfolio companies, how they're communicating internally from a learnings perspective and how they're maybe sharing um, information um, uh, reporting wise? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, our investment managers are responsible for the day-to-day activities uh, on impact and ESG. So when it comes to impact due diligence, they are the ones that do the pre-investment impact assessments. Um, which can be quite extensive and, and yeah. quite time intensive, yeah. um, and and they do the they do the work um, for more complex um, investment opportunities. For example, on the ESG side, they would be the ones kind of to to um, commission external consultants, obviously with our help. So the, the global impact ESG specific function that I'm heading up is relatively lean. Um, comparatively to our portfolio and and and, and our size, um, but we have more of a reviewing and advisory function, supporting function, and obviously we engage with the deal teams much earlier if we're looking at the complex deal um, yeah. on an impact or from an impact or ESG perspective, and then we can actually become quite intensively involved into a specific transaction or into a specific due diligence, even also accompanying kind of um, on-site due diligence from time to time when we feel it's really needed. Um, so that's how we almost take a little bit um, a case-by-case approach in terms of our involvement um, from an impact and ESG um, function. But the investment managers are the one who are pursuing because they also need to understand that dimension of the business really well in order to kind of identify risks and opportunities in that area, drive value, drive business value specifically with regards to sustainability management, impact management, um, et cetera, be involved in the data collection when it comes to measuring impact and and Mm -hmm. performance improvements and achievements on that note, uh, where obviously we come in then at the aggregate level, portfolio level to basically compile and prepare kind of the reports um, and 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 just at the at the kind of um, collaboration and partnership level with the entrepreneurs. Thanks, Mark. Mark, you uh, you mentioned this a couple times, but I'd love to get your thoughts on on ESG in general and the recent critiques or criticism some may call it around ESG. Do you have thoughts on on those criticisms? Do you find them valid? And and if so, you know what's the pathway forward to kind of solve for some of those criticisms? A very good question. Um... I, I do have thoughts exactly on that criticism. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, um, I think it's really important always. And I think the, the main 
the main trigger or the main reason for this criticism is is misunderstanding and misinterpretation mm. of concepts or approaches investment approaches that are just not the same and are just different and and also what they're able to achieve and and the objectives are different and and if you if you have clarity around that then i think it's 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 all legitimate it's all going at least partly in the right direction but you have to you have to distinguish and you have to differentiate and i think that's that's extremely important and and so so i think the the, the whole debate is coming from from a misunderstanding in 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 some mm. area also of some actors some stakeholders which is also natural because it's it's a complex science it's a complex practice or whatever you want to call it um, so I think you have to just educate and 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 be sure we're talking about the same things if we are if we're comparing things and doing things, and and that's a little bit my view, but you know I think um, um, when it comes now to impact specifically we have to ensure that capital is flowing into doing good for society and the planet for people and the planet. And um, just by managing uh, on a do no harm basis or risk mitigation basis is not going in that direction per se. Right. Um, so okay. we have to be we have to be better than that. We have to do more than that. Yeah, I think I think we're kind of exiting the honeymoon period, as we call yeah. it, um, with ESG, which means the standards are higher, and there needs to be more intentional focus about actually solving some of these challenges. First, because it's it's an evolving sector and we should just naturally expect that. But also, you know, to the point that, that you've brought up, people and planet demand it because, you know, we don't have infinite time to solve some of these challenges. And these challenges require capital. And, you know, it's been well known that the, the private sector and, and impact investing needs to have a bigger piece of the pie, so to speak, when it comes to, to getting capital to these solutions and it can't be relying on just philanthropy and government to do exactly that. So yeah, um, fully agree. fully, well, fully aligned point, on that. To that point, Kyle, too, you know, this, this can't just be about reporting, right? It has to be about the learning. And that's something mm -hmm. that Mark, it, all, throughout all our conversations, it's been clear that's very uh, much at the forefront of how you think about this work. Absolutely. And that's actually something I learned about reporting very early on. So I'm, I'm also a lecturer and I gave classes early on on GRI, Global Reporting Initiative. And I think the main message from GRI is that actually reporting is a tool to drive change. Right. Mm. And, and, and I think if we, if we look at it from, from this perspective, and I would, I mean, I think it would be great if all such initiatives would really have the same, very same mission and the same focus. Um, but I think that's exactly what we have to take away from this. Um, and, and that's certainly also what we have to focus on. Reporting is a tool to drive change. <clears throat> I just wrote that down. Um, Mark, let's talk about scorecards and Lightbrock's approach and um, how this informs decision-making at, at the firm. Right, sure. So, um, I think we, obviously we are using a, a core card, proprietary scorecards that we had um, that we have designed and further developed now again over almost a decade of, of um, operations and assessing um, um, and businesses and, and products and services and and our pre just kind of um, one or two um, 
um, step backs, our pre-investment impact assessment consists of, of several tools that are all kind of um, based and founded on, on, on proven concepts, methodology, standards. So for example, theory of change is in there, the logic model is applied um, in, 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 in that sense. So the, um, we, 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 we do all of that, uh, but it's, um, um, but it's mainly the impact scorecard that is the main tool here that we're using pre-investing to really gradually um, develop a very deep understanding of a company's existing impact and um, future impact potential. And it's a comprehensive qualitative questionnaire that is basically split into two sections, the impact potential section and the impact risk section. And on both of these overarching dimensions or, or sections, we assess a wide range of uh, both generally accepted variables, but also some more customized dimensions and criteria that we believe are important to us and tell us something more about uh, the impact or the impact potential of the company. So, for example, the magnitude of a company's impact potential we assess by investigating several factors um, around the business model, management intentionality and capability specifically to impact, um, the type of impact, um, scalability of the solution, also in a broader um, understanding, the depth and duration of impact, for example, and these dimensions are all aligned for, um, also with, with, the, with the IMP's um, impact um, factors and, and data points. And um, these factors then in aggregate determine the maximum impact um, that a company may achieve over the investment period as we see it when growing and performing um, according to plan. In reality, we know, um, however, that's usually um, um, not always the case and there are several risks that, that the company uh, will not be able to seize its full potential and full growth um, and that the positive impact actually that we're that we're um, um, focused on and, and want to achieve may be actually offset also by certain uh, by certain negative impacts or unintended impacts that we're seeing. And these factors are also investigated and assessed and captured in the impact risk section uh, of the scorecard. Again, by means of four dimensions and 11 criteria uh, in total. There is an underlying scoring methodology um, built into our scorecard that discounts total impact potential by the impact risk and automatically generates a net or, or risk adjusted um, impact potential score, as we mm. call it. And we use the score internally um, by the investment teams, but also by our IC to just receive a directional sense of the impact attractiveness of an investment. Um, it's not um, it's not a decision-making criteria as a standalone. We don't use it as a standalone criteria for making decisions. Um, we, we, we never do that because we feel you have to obviously supplement, you have to uh, provide interpretation, um, yeah. meaning to it. So we also complements by analytics, by insights. We do kind of spy the charts, we do SWOT analysis, uh, SWOT summaries, and on what are the main drivers or the main gaps that we have identified through the assessment to then determine all these gaps that we can address together with the company to basically build up over time, or are they just inherent to the business um, and, and, and maybe more difficult to address, or are they even kind of external um, um, exogenic factors that we're not able to influence. So that's exactly how we how we tr try to reestablish a really um, deep understanding of a company's impact and impact potential over time. So it might take us 
two, three, four months actually to run through that um, impact scorecard, obviously, with gradually uh, receiving more insights and information from the company and our research. Mark, post-investment, um, do you use those scores as as a goal and, and something that you track over time? That's a great question. That's something I've um, thought of um, already for many years, and it would be great. However, I think the key challenge methodologically is actually that you're not necessarily then um, uh, you're actually starting to focus more on existing impact rather than impact potential. So actually you would need to shift or slightly adapt the scorecard in terms of how you word it, maybe even how you weigh the factors or how really what the factors are. So actually then shifting um, this or tweaking the scorecards would um, 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 reduce the potential um, um, to compare. So that's something we're working on. would love to have to make the scorecards kind of dynamic so that it can be used actually maybe on an annual basis as a, as a check-in, as a review. And um, obviously we do review these factors, but we haven't applied it post-investment so far, to be honest. And have you had any stakeholders or anything like that that are, I, w- I won't say demanding, but maybe curious about seeing stuff like that? Are you sensing that that swell from the outside of the firm yeah absolutely i mean um besides obviously the peers uh, where we have um regular exchanges and and where we also obviously kind of speak about it that be quite um, open about it um to also mm. drive innovation and and how we see it um obviously we have um, um lps um investors that are really keen to see what we're doing how robust these methodologies are um, what do they cover? Uh, what do they consider? How do we apply them? In what depth? Um, how do we collect evidence and proof on these factors? That's certainly something that they want to see. I think from an entrepreneur's um, perspective, it's clearly more the outputs. Um, and also the IC's perspective is probably more the outputs that are interested in. And the outputs are clearly, as I said, strengths and weaknesses in terms of impact attractiveness, impact the potential, mm-hmm. um, but also value creation areas. Um, that we have identified that we actually then want to take up together with the companies, usually over the first 12, 24 months um, of our holding period, which are directly derived from that assessment, basically. Mo, one thing that I love is, you know, there's there's an emphasis, I guess, on standardization and comparability within this, which we've talked about this at length in our other sessions as well, but I think it's really helpful for the broader ecosystem. Um, Speaking of which, you know, Mark, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask about SFDR and how that's um, affecting. Obviously, you spend all your free time reading about SFDR, as you've mentioned. (laughs) So you have, I'm sure you have some thoughts on it, but I, I know for our audience, it, they'd love the opportunity to kind of distill some of the key aspects, at least that, that pop up for you um, within this and how that's going to influence, um, you know, funds that are doing work across Europe and that are applicable to the regulations. Yeah, sure. And so how, how is it going to affect us? I think first, uh, first and foremost, it's important to mention that, um, it's a very important initiative, and it's uh, we're very supportive of increased transparency, accountability, um, disclosure. Um, that all leads to to kind of better practice uh, and and more credible practice. And obviously, we've seen 
um, um, yeah, some of the of the risks involved in a in a rapidly growing um, industry such as impact investing more broadly. I've actually conducted research in my um, studies um, really 15 years ago on microfinance investments, and I've witnessed actually the evolution of microfinance, and exactly the same happened. Mm. As, so I think it, for me it's something quite natural what's happening here, um, to be honest. Um, and 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 the risk um, only become exposed and 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 visible when there is enough attention, where there is enough size, and also enough just interest from from several players. And then obviously you have to manage and mitigate these risks. And uh, regulation stepping in here is is I think a natural step in the evolution of the industry, and it's also just a recognition of the success um, so I think it's 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 clearly something good that we're seeing in terms of practical implementation I mean it, we're naturally best positioned probably to meet all these requirements and be compliant with everything that is requested but it's still quite an effort and it's 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 still complex it's it's sometimes hard to understand I think the complexity or the challenge really for us comes in that it's um, not it's not always fit for exactly our specific business activities. It's it's basically mm. one size fits it all, right? And you have to see how you're fitting in there. And so it's a lot of restructuring that we have to do. It's um, also a lot of data collection um, that we not necessarily wouldn't have done before, but it's just we have to do it differently and we have to report on it differently. So that's that's uh, quite an intensive task um, that we're that we're um, 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 concerned with at the moment. Um, so it's it's um, it's both um, the goods and 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 the the, the challenges that we're seeing at the moment. Um, yeah, specifically to this uh, to SFDR. Yeah, and Kyle, as you were saying, we this theme continues to come up that um, the, the usually the most meaningful um, data is data that is uh, custom and nuanced and captures complexity uh, across different investments. And yet also this need for standardization and, and applying to existing frameworks, regulatory, what, what have you also, is important and so how do both those things coexist while uh also being mindful of sort of people's time and and redundancy and all of those things it's it feels like it's we're, we're, it's continuing to um evolve and and hopefully we can figure out a way to make it all work together mm -hmm. yeah and and mo you bring up a good point too just a different perspective on, I guess, one of the benefits of standardization. Obviously, SFDR has an element of standardization to it, but for these portfolio companies and investees, it's almost like a, a, a double burden when you have some groups that are doing the custom metrics and you have some groups doing the standardized because they're having to report multiple times. Um, and where it's standardized, they really can have that data and just share it. Um, and, and there's no like recalculating and aggregating and all that stuff. Um, and, and I agree with you. I understand the need for custom metrics. I, I think, you know, being able to capture the true essence of the impact that contributes to the logic model that the company created, that's great. We need that. We don't want to distill just to like lives impacted, whatever that means. Uh, 
But at the same time is we need to have that balance of effort and resource um, to get this and not just collect data just because like, what are we going to do with that data? And I think Mark, what you're talking about is like, if we're going to collect this data, we're going to do something with it. We're not just going to put it in a spreadsheet and put it in a glossy report. It really has to, to contribute to that learning that, that you and Mo were talking about. Absolutely, it should be used for the, for the benefits of the business in the end and, and mm-hmm. for our decision-making, right? And I mean, just f- from a practical perspective, striking this balance beca- uh, between kind of what is basically mandatory, structured and, and, and harmonized and, um, and, and what is also desired maybe because we believe it's, it's important um, for our impact measurement, which might be more or less pro- pro- uh, proprietary. I think we're talking about at the moment roughly 40 metrics, that we're gonna um, um, collect for every business on a standardized basis, um, 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 basically as of next year, and and that might, yeah, that might mean more or less challenges depending on the specific business. But that's a huge amount of data um, that we are that we're focusing, and that's 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 just a combination of all the mandatory metrics from the mm-hmm. principal address impacts indicators um, as defined by SFDR, but also what we feel are uh, what is a set of meaningful impact indicators that we want to measure for our internal impact measurement. And we want to then report to our investment to basically showcase this is what we've achieved, right? So it's, 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 it's that complex. Mark, let's, um, let's go a, a sort of bigger picture here. If you had a crystal ball uh, or a magic eight ball, if you will, what would it tell you about where the sector is going when it comes to impact measurement? Yeah, I think we, we already um, already almost kind of um, are, are on topic um, with, with regulatory trends and, and the push from the regulatory side on standardization. I think the direction of travel um, and, and really for the next evolution of impact measurement is, is clearly also driven by, by uh, emerging regulation and, and not necessarily anymore by voluntary industry best practice, which is, has been for the past couple of years, um, um, basically starting exactly from where we resolve the debate about what's the definition of impact, what are kind of common factors, how we can define impact. Next stage was um, how we measure impact and and how we do it, and I think that the next push is is clearly coming from a the the regular the regulatory side with all the merits, but also all the challenges uh, that we're seeing. As we said, whether it's the at the right flight level, whether it's uh, the, the 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 one size fits it all, um, I think that's what I'm um, um, seeing. And um, yeah, um, as I said, I think it's it's uh, clearly. Um, more expertise needed. Um, it's 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 resource and 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 very likely more data intensive. Um, it's it's uh, unified in terms of structure and content. Maybe less room to maneuver, less room to differentiate, and 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 different themes are um, at different stages of the evolution. That's clearly what we're seeing. I think for climate, for example, mm-hmm. we have a lot of scientific knowledge, methodology, guidance, um, standards out there. We know how to do it, how to measure it. 
um, um, obviously it's all about um, carbon GHG emission reductions or avoidance or whatever mitigation type. Um, but in other areas, that's that's proving much more difficult, and we might not have as much knowledge, guidance, and and, and methodologies out there yet. Uh, so that's to be developed, and that's also something I'm excited about. And and we we always like to drive and co-shape. But I think that's that's the next that's the next stage of the evolution that we're seeing in impact measurement specifically. Mark, um, so we've covered a lot today. Is there anything else you want to leave our audience that hasn't been said? You want to make sure you you share um, for, for our last couple minutes together. Yeah, maybe um, if we're speaking of impact investing and impact measurement specifically, which is obviously close to my heart in my function. And um, it, it seems and sounds incredibly complex um, sometimes and, and, and like a lot of effort. And I think it frankly is. Um, and um, um, and uh, not everyone has kind of a decade long or more than, than a decade to kind of build a track record, build expertise and capabilities, uh, but also entrepreneurship and, and inventing and scaling efficient solutions um, to the biggest challenges that we're facing is complex and, and, and uh, can be extremely intense and, and um, 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 so difficult. Um, so, um, and, and I think that should not stop you from doing it um, and, and pursuing really what is right to do and what is important to this moment. As you said, Kylie, I think um, time matters now uh, more than ever. We're running out of time. So um, let also perfect not be the enemy of good and, and start somewhere, um, lean towards other collaborative, um, have a collaborative approach towards it. Um, see what you can take away from others, what you can learn, um, but um, also don't expect to to see many silver bullets um, to certain solutions. Um, if you're waiting for the silver bullet in one specific area to solve a challenge or an issue that we're facing as society and planet, you might wait forever um, and without acting. And that's certainly not what we can use now um, um, in front or in view of, of, of what we're facing. I love that, Mark, um, and, and very real for our audience to hear that message. And I think, you know, there's a, a widespread agreement with what you just said of there is there are no silver bullets. It requires collaboration and learning. Um, and, and so leading into kind of our final question, in the spirit of collaboration and learning, who or, or what is an organization, who is someone um, that us and our audience should know about and be learning from within the impact investing space? Great question. I'm not going to name any kind of firm specifically or explicitly, but what I'm clearly seeing and what I'm most excited at the moment about is the, is the, the technological advancement progress that we're seeing, um, not mm. only on the entrepreneur side and solution side of things, but also in managing impact, um, impact mm. data, um, impact measurement, uh, how we do it, how we can do it, how we can solve for complex um, data requirements, analytics, etc. So that's what I'm really excited about. And, and we're seeing um, fantastic startups, maybe also a little bit um, late stage companies um, trying to address and solve that challenge and issues that many of us are facing. So we're super um, excited about those types of companies that just help us doing more, doing better um, in the future. Love that. And 
you know, obviously we, uh, we agree with you in that respect. And, um, you know, that's, that's something that we're striving for at Upmetrics. Uh, but Mark, this has been an, an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for taking time out of your afternoon. Uh, but this was wonderful, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us. And, and hopefully we will be having you back very soon if you agree to come back in for another conversation at some point. For sure. Always a great pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. You have been listening to On the Up and Up, a podcast from Upmetrics. Upmetrics is the analytics platform for impact-driven organizations. Upmetrics empowers its partners to collect, analyze, and share data to foster learning and drive greater impact. By blending quantitative data with qualitative insights, powered by our tech and team, Upmetrics is elevating the impact ecosystem and connecting organizations in their pursuit of lasting change. You can learn more by visiting upmetrics.com.